Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to the Living History UK podcast, a podcast for the discerning, and knowledge-hungry historians out there. You can support our podcast and get much more from Living History UK by joining our Patreon from just £1. And by doing so, you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive. But for now, enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Living History UK podcast. I am your host, Pete Neal, and I am joined by the ever-illustrious Don Blythe, and today we're going to be talking about volunteer organisations of the First World War. When it comes to volunteer organisations of the First World War, there was quite a few of them, and often get overlooked. The most famous of these organisations was the British Red Cross, which throughout the period of the war, by 1918, over 90,000 people had volunteered for service in the red cross but to tell us more about these volunteer organizations dom dom how are you i am bloody marvelous peter how are you yeah i'm good mate not too bad so where do you begin with the volunteer organizations of the first world war so yes pete the you bringing up the red cross is is very very good because that's an organization that still exists today and the most sort of prevalent characters we see in in films and literature of the red cross in the first world war is of course the vad nurse um who who um of course worked on both on both military uh, british military base um hospitals in both the uk and over france and belgium and of course there were a, a plethora of of other um different organizations pete could apart from one which was made famous by village people, do you know or know of any uh, any other other organisations? Well, I know the church um, in its various capacities had a big influence on these volunteer organisations that actually ended up going overseas as well as staying in the UK to do various jobs. Uh, one being the Salvation Army, 
bit at that time period actually my great great grandfather um griffin he was actually the bandmaster for the banbury salvation army at this sort of time he, he obviously never went over to france or anything but this sort of turn of the century sort of time he that's when he was actually quite active in the organization oh that's brilliant i did i didn't know that pete that's that's quite interesting and yeah the salvation army they don't just come out for christmas they as you said they they did go overseas and they set up uh welfare facilities over there and you also have a, a an organization called the church army that was set up by the church of england uh, and did uh very very similar work um, and you also have um catholic men's clubs as well uh, soldiers clubs as well which again provided very very similar things yeah i think the service a lot of them were provide, obviously excluding the red cross because their sort of job list was endless um in what they were doing during the first world war but people like the salvation army church army the ymca are kind of pretty much doing exactly the same thing just that in as a different brand uh so to speak so i know a lot of the well i say a lot the canteens that they run were actually a dry canteen. So tell 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 our listeners what a dry canteen was on the uh, Western Front. Well, you have a wet canteen, you have a dry canteen. A wet canteen is where a soldier can go and purchase tea, coffee, but also beer, which is, you know, what most Tommies like. So... A dry canteen is no booze whatsoever. And that ties in with the culture of the time where a lot of the Christian message at the time was um, all against the demon drink. And you have what's called uh, the temperance movement, which ties in very heavily to to organisations, uh, Methodist organisations like the YMCA, as you said, and also um, the Church Army and the Salvation Army. And they set up... Take, for instance, the YMCA, they set up hundreds of these things within the first, I think it was in the within the first 10 weeks of war being declared in August 1914. The YMCA in the UK alone had set up 250 dry canteens in the UK. 250 in 10 weeks. That's a staggering number, considering that's literally, well, like you say, it's 10 weeks after the war uh begin well for us anyway that's quite staggering how quickly these canteens got set up and it's and it's interesting that you touched on the subject of the temperance movement because you also have soldiers signing what they called the pledge as well where they on enlistment they uh basically sign a contract to say they weren't going to drink for the duration of the war so that shows how much the temperance movement was very much in the public eye and, and in people's beliefs as well Precisely. And in saying, like, as you say, this contract, there was also an army form that um, officers could sign upon request of a soldier for sobriety and um, and good virtue as well, which is a really peculiar bit of Edwardian culture at the time coming through. Uh, but yes, um, the these these dry canteens and um, that were set up, especially by the YMCA, these you know, they, yes, soldiers could go away to, you know, they could go to places like Poppering and, and drink, you know, drink their, their, their month's wages up the wall. 
but the the dry canteens were a considerably different place. They were they were well, everyone there was sober, and it and it was a, and it provided a, a stark difference and um, a safe place, safe and relaxing place for a Tommy to be. I mean, a wet. Let's be honest. If you get a load of Tommies together with a load of booze, you know there's there's going to be some comeuppance along the way, and you know, and a lot of blokes wanted to get get away from the hustle and bustle of the trench and 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 you know the abject violence, and going into a dry canteen where it would be quiet, um, and where they could just sit down with a hot cup of cocoa, coffee, or tea provided a stark difference and uh, to what the the rest of the you know these wet canteens provided by the um the expeditionary force canteens which were part of the army service corps that a stark difference to what these places could provide where um, which which is which puts these places such as a YMCA hut completely in a completely different league to your regular like re- a regimental canteen for instance so so far these canteens that these organizations are creating so we know they can get uh they can get refreshment usually it'll be what you've already mentioned before it'd be tea coffee cocoa or claudial <laughs> um, but apart from refreshment and somewhere quiet and somewhere for them to socialize in general what else did these canteens actually offer them well Apart from, as you say, hot refreshment, which would always be free. Tea, coffee and cocoa was always free. Unlike some of the other canteens, we'd have to pay for it. These places would provide light entertainment, such as there were actually some some of them would actually set up uh, cinemas where you could actually go and watch the Haunted Lantern uh perform perform its moving pictures on some nights uh they would have sometimes have concert parties uh they during the day generally there would be board games where you know you could go in there you could play you could play cards um as long as it wasn't for money of course gambling incredibly frowned upon uh you could play play a game of cards chess checkers backgammon etc um you could write letters and that was a really, really important feature of a lot of these things, such as, you know, there are loads, loads of these places, you know, providing just a simple place to sit down and write a letter, which is somewhere, you know, a lot of these places, these other places um, don't provide. I mean, one Tommy in 1917 actually said, when we get inside the YMCA hut, we feel as if we're at home again. And, you know, because it's a quiet place to write a letter. And if you weren't a strong reader or a strong writer, the YMCA actually had what were called education officers um, who, who were sent out from the UK and they would they would help Tommies who were illiterate or weren't strong readers or writers. They would help them write letters and, and they'd teach them how to read and write. They would even offer um, lessons in mathematics as well um uh, element and elementary science as well and i've even seen um, a photograph 
um, from I think it was a can- Canadian YMCA uh, tent uh, somewhere near Arras, where on on there's a board outside where it says, you know, today we're going to be teaching soldiers French, and tomorrow um, we're actually having an introduction to engineering class you know, being being taught by one of these tutors that have, that have come over. So not only is it providing this, um, you know, a, a warm place to stay, it's it's providing you know education and a really important service as well that some that some of these places um would would provide would also be accommodation for tommies as well if they've if they've lost their way there's a place for them to stay they can they can lodge in these huts and also the family members of some soldiers so if you were a tommy that was wounded and you didn't have long left the YMCA would actually organize um, in a lot, in some extreme circumstances, for your family to be transported free of charge, and all provided and paid for by YMCA to actually be transported from the UK to the military hospital in France, um, so they could be with you in their final moments, and the YMCA would 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 put the family up. Again, a, another you know, and not a lot of people know the that the YMCA could. Did did that in the First World War, um, and again another you know v- vital thing that that they provided to to Tommy. It is amazing on you know starting to peel back the layers of these organisations, how efficient and the list of jobs that they could actually do and were doing. Um, like you've just mentioned, Dom, about them bringing families over and you know giving hot beverages away to lads. Um, so how? Are these organisations funding themselves? So they all exist. Mostly, they all mostly exist as charitable organisations before the First World War. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Where they would rely on public donations, especially you know large patrons. Baden Powell, for instance, from the Scout Movement, he he was a very big um, supporter of these organisations, especially the YMCA um, and the, and the Boy Scouts would actually hold collections specifically for the YMCA, and they themselves would 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 fund. Um, huts. Uh, there was also a, a form of, again, another YMCA reference, where basically towns and villages would 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 collect money themselves, and then a like a committee would be set up and go right. We're going to be collecting money for the YMCA, and we are base. We're going to collect enough money so they can build a hut 
over wherever the British Army was. And so you, what they would do, they'd collect the money, then they'd send the money over to the YMCA, and then the YMCA would use that money to build a hut. And you you see examples over over in France and Belgium and, of course, Egypt and Salonika, et cetera, um, where YMCA huts would be called very, very odd names. It'd be, instead of being named after the place where they are where overseas, they'd have... The name of an English town, and that's the and the reason why is is because it was named after the town that paid for it, and they would also work hand in hand with various other um, so, uh, like women's organisations, such as the, yeah the uh, the Mothers Union, the uh, Women's Institute, and and stuff like that. Uh, they they would work hand in hand, uh, and again to provide money for for the YMCA, and a lot of money was raised. Um, I mean, I. Th- I just for tea and coffee alone, the, the YMCA spent over £150 million purely on tea and coffee. And on paper, headed paper, £7 million for headed paper. And that's just, you know, this ex- the extortionate amount of money that was that was raised for the, uh, for the organisation. So is that modern money or their money? That was, sorry, that was my bad. That's, that's in modern money. Not in not in their money because seven million pounds would pay for several warships. <laughs> I was going to say, I, was like, I know, it was, I know, it was an expensive war, but I was like, seven million pounds on any paper—it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, are these organisations then, Dom, how how close to the front are they actually getting, or are they staying well out the way of all the nasty stuff going on down up the road, so to speak? Some of them get right up to the to more or less to the to the reserve trenches. You have um, you have huts, so to speak. All um, a lot of this was done by the YMCA. I mean, the YMCA basically had the monopoly on Tommy's welfare by 1918. All the other organisations had just stopped or, or expanding as much as YMCA were doing. But uh, like you'd have. Um, Right up to, as I say, the reserve trenches, you have uh, dugouts um, that are inhabited by the YMCA. Uh, some of them were specifically for wounded troops, and some of them were general usage. And they essentially were a lot of them were stationed quite near communication trenches. So especially if there's you know there's a big offensive or what have you, and there's a big queue of Tommies going up the line, so to speak. Um, like these um, these blokes in the YMCA would be what they they would be smashing out cups of tea um, uh, in, and they'd be using like uh, corn beef tins and they'd be just giving them to the almost like a paper cup, a disposable cup. Um get you know, making making tea and coffee for Tommies as 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 they're going up the line or or coming back from a major offensive. Again, providing um welfare for them to the to the last possible moment they can. I mean there was albeit is American so uh, the American YMCA eventually did come over in, in, in late 1917. I mean, one, one of the American volunteers was actually um, awarded the French Croix de Guerre for, you know, act bravery um, in, in action. I mean, and they were also, in, you know, they got so close to the lines that they, that they were being killed as well. There's several um, gra- Commonwealth war graves. They're noted as civilians, but there's, I believe, about 38 YMCA members alone were actually killed during the First World War. You know, that's how how close these guys were getting. They were being they were being shelled. They were being gassed. They were being sh- they were being shot at. And these guys were non-combatants. They were 
civilians. They were volunteers. They weren't getting paid for it. And that, and it's that, that's how close they were getting up up to the front lines to provide to the last possible moment essential welfare from home, basically to to the Tommies. Because that's quite a good point to note as well. Because if you go over to the Western Front, um, you like Dom's said that there's a, there is a few. Um, members of volunteer organisations actually buried in these Commonwealth War cemeteries. Now, if you go into one, usually they have the same gravestone as any other Commonwealth soldier. Only difference is, is that they don't have the cap badge of their regiment on the grave. It's actually the emblem of the organisation that they volunteered for. Yeah, indeed, and they were, and they were they were given the same service medals as well as as British troops as well. Well. I don't necessarily. I'm not sure the. I think I'm not sure if they were entitled to the um, to the British War Medal, but I know that they were uh, entitled to the Allied Allied Victory Medal. And again, yeah, was, I'm not too yeah. sure. I think they might. I think it might be depend on. I think a lot of it depended on where you was. I think because um, I think obviously they'd have had a criteria to have met, just like um, a serviceman would have done. So. Um, I think they. I think in some instances, I think they may have got both in some instances. Mm. But yeah, like you said, definitely the victory medal, and it's the same way of tracing them. Like you know, try and trace an individual like it is for the um, for the military, because it it like like a soldier has his name, rank, number uh, inscribed around the base of the medal. The same is for these volunteer organisations as well. They act, they have the they have the organisation that they were volunteering for written underneath. So if you want to try and chase, chase, uh, trace, sorry, trace somebody, then you can go for the same sort of means, but through that voluntary organisation, if they still exist, that is. Yeah, good call. I mean, I mean, I, I keep bleating on about the YMCA, but the YMCA are. Um, still are really keen on their heritage and their history. And there's a, a really good source uh, that I found for my research. Um, it's called Ka- uh, Catherine's History Blog, which is a, uh, this Catherine, she is a Oxford graduate and her research is purely about the, the YMCA's role during the First World War. And she's, I think it's the cat, it's called the Cadbury Archive, which is the, the YMCA's um, arc, um, hi, um, historical archives from the entirety of their history. That's up at the, uh, up at Birmingham University. Um, and again, yeah, this uh, Catherine's done incredible, incredible work. Um, and again, she's been a, her history blog has been a huge source for, for my uh, research as well, so the the history is out there. You just just need to go and go and find, go, reach out and find it. Well, that's like anything, isn't it? In this game, it's all, all the information is out there, but it's are you willing to actually go out there yourself and dig for it? Precisely, Pete, and especially organisations such as the Salvation Army, the Church Army, YMCA, etc. Is they're so unknown. Hardly anyone really knows about these organisations as they're not as big as what they used to used to be, especially in a, in a modern sense, and um, let alone people's knowledge or or even know they were involved in in the First World War. And I think it's you know it's really important to sort of to lift up the stone and see what's underneath because it's not always woodlouse and the fact that these organizations touched the lives of of so many different tommies it's they're 
their rec- their lack of recognition is is arguably criminal. But hopefully, you know, that's the whole point of of us as Living History UK is is of course to bring to light the the lesser known aspects of our history and and you know hopefully you know pique people's interests and uh and try and draw them into um to lift said rock it is indeed and you know you, you've already mentioned about how some of these organizations have decreased it's like the ymca i think i've ever seen one ymca building in this country i know it's quite big in america i believe but Salvation Army, they're still going strong um, in one shape or form. There's the Salvation Army is still here in my own in my hometown. They're always pushing out their adverts, so they're obviously still making money because they're pushing out adverts. <laughs> so same as the Red Cross, because obviously, you know the the Red Cross is international. I, only today I saw an advert for the Red Cross. It is something that not many people really think about. I think when it comes to the First World War, everyone's interested in you know, charging at the enemy position and taking ground and all that sort of thing or jumping in a primitive aircraft and going off trying to uh, fly and fly one of these things. But when it actually comes to the downtime of the soldiers, no one really speaks up about it. And you know when people don't really talk much about it because you don't see it as living historians on the circuit because you don't have... I don't think I've ever seen anybody... Um, like try and set up a like a dry canteen for the YMCA or something like that. So it's um, it is something I'd quite like to see on the circuit. It's not something I'd do myself personally, but it would be something nice to see and to bring that aspect of it to life once again. Well, that's where you may be pleasantly surprised, Peter, as um, as myself and um. And a colleague of ours have been in 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 coots and in talks of potentially putting on a a, a small forward sort of um, hut, so to speak, and and portray the YMCA and and engaging with the public about the work that these organisations did. I, I find it well very interesting. If I didn't find it interesting, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> but um, that's something that uh, I hope uh, hope myself and and Chris can can roll out at some point in 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 the coming future well that's a cracking idea you've got there dom and i i for one can't wait to see it when uh you both pull it off and i think that rounds this up quite nicely dom so dom pleasure as always and to dear listeners all the links to living history uk are all in the link below and, and so that only leaves me to say one last thing. Till next time, keep history alive. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, then why not send us a PayPal donation? All donations help us pay to host the podcast and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question or even a subject matter for the podcast, Join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive.